Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Chris Cagle on being good stewards of our retirement. Just that, you know, that type of retiree who says, I want to find uh, constructive ways to spend my time, use my time, talents, treasure uh, for the good of others and to stay connected and engaged in different ways in the society. For the Christian, as I mentioned, oftentimes that uh, means uh, serving in the context of our local church, other nonprofit ministries, volunteering in the community. Chris Cagle, next. Retirement is certainly a new chapter or phase in our lives, but from the perspective of Scripture, it's also a period to be wisely stewarded, to best honor and glorify God and serve others. Hence the name of Chris Cagle's blog, Retirement Stewardship. Today he'll be walking us through a recent study which found each of us will likely follow one of four paths in retirement. Chris Cagle is author of three books, Redeeming Retirement, Reimagine Retirement, and The Minister's Requirement. Chris, tell us about your varied background and why you operate retirement stewardship. Yeah, sure. I think the short, the, kind of the short version is that I'm, I was never, I am not now and never have been a financial professional, although I worked in information technology in the financial services industry and banks, some of the larger banks uh, in the Southeast. Um, so that's my background professionally. But uh, in terms of ministry, I got involved with the stewardship ministry at my church many, many years ago. And as I began to work through things in my own life and began counseling other people, um, I I felt like it was just something God had called me to do. So I kind of self-educated myself, started doing more and more counseling and reading and studying. And that eventually led to the blog, the retirementstewardship.com blog. Which opened the opportunity, opened the door, uh, the opportunity to uh, to do some further writing, to do the books. So I enjoy writing. I, I don't consider myself a particularly great author, but it is something I can kind of kind of get by with. And mm-hmm. so I so just an opportunity really to um, to to kind of channel all this into a ministry, both within my local church and to a larger audience, as the Lord has allowed. And how long have you personally been retired? I retired in the fall of 2018. Okay. Well, I want to ask you about uh, this article that you're commenting on, uh, um, the four paths of retirement. And of course, you bring in the biblical perspective. Can you talk a bit about where, where that original article came from? What was the concept behind it? Yeah, this looks like, well, it doesn't look, it was a, a study. This is often, oftentimes financial services companies that ser- that provide um, products and services to uh, retirees or people planning on retirement will partner with study groups or other retirement focused groups to do uh, studies just to kind of gauge the temperature in terms of what people are concerned about, what they're thinking about, how they're viewing retirement. This one was done uh, jointly between AG Edwards and a company called A, which who's a, uh, a financial services advisory investment. I wouldn't call them a broker per se, but a you know financial investment advisory company, and Age Wave, which is a retirement uh, focused group. Um, and they look kind of looked at the whole kind of ran the whole gamut in terms of the areas that they looked at and the types of questions that they uh, asked people about and. 
I think really with an idea of trying to get kind of take the temperature of across the spectrum, kind of how are people feeling about retirement? What are they thinking about retirement? How are they doing in the kind of the life, you know, planning side of things, as well as the financial aspects, which I'm sure A.G. Edwards was especially focused on. So these four paths of retirement, I'm going to ask you about actually four different groups of people and certain characteristics uh, of them. But but first, uh, this article, and I'm wondering if you can comment on this, uh, finds that retirement uh, attitudes are changing. They've, they've, they've been changing, and they're, they're a bit different than they were. Can you talk about that and why they are changing? Yeah, and this is, you know, I've, I've read about this in other places. Um, you know, the kind of the traditional view of retirement was you work as hard as you can for as long as you can, save as much as you can, so that you can have a few years of pretty much just rest and relaxation and leisure and recreation and hobbies and entertainment, whatever you mm-hmm. whatever you enjoy. You know, that's kind of the old school traditional view of retirement. Um, you know, the Bible really speaks of nothing of the kind, um, although some work, some rest and enjoyment and recreation and vacations and things like that are certainly mm-hmm. uh, gifts from God that we can enjoy. But the, the Bible kind of takes a different approach. But even outside of uh, the, the Christian community, people who are living longer, they're healthier, they have access to better health care, those kinds of things. And longevity, as it's entered the picture, has caused people to think uh, differently about how to how they want to spend their later years. So there does seem to be this transition, this change in thinking in the retiree population about finding constructive ways to spend their time, finding more purpose uh, and more meaning in their lives rather than, than just having them totally revolve around leisure and recreation as they get older. Subject, of course, to physical, mental, you know, different limitations mm-hmm. that we all experience as we age. Well, it's interesting. This, this you write about it uh, in your piece, and and that is that the primary view of retirement today, the those that are uh, kind of entering, and those that are maybe the earlier entries to the retirement years, the baby boomers, how they view it versus their parents. And you've described it a little bit, but it's it, it's quite different. Yeah, the boomers as a group are uh, increasingly looking at retirement as a as a time to be more engaged, more productive, more pers- purposeful in terms of how they spend their lives. And, you know, that, that might look different for a non-Christian than it does for a Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, for myself personally, obviously a lot, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners, a lot of the focus of their activity and, and how we stay engaged in the community as well as within uh, our, ch- is, is through the, our local church. Mm-hmm. Um, the relationships we have there, the, the opportunities we have to serve there, um, and, and, you know, that can take a lot of different forms, and I've written about that a lot in, on both the blog and in the books. The idea is how can you stay active? How can you stay productive? How can you stay involved? How can you stay connected in ways that bring joy and, and fulfillment to us individually, but then also really uh, further God's kingdom and bring honor and glory to him, you know, and finding the right balance there between the things that we enjoy doing and the things that we enjoy doing that also uh, directly enrich the lives of others and and further the the mission of spreading the gospel. Well, my guest uh, today on His People is Chris Cagle. He is founder of retirementstewardship.com. He has retired himself uh, for several years, and we're talking about a piece that he wrote on his blog, The Four Paths of Retirement, and he's uh, taking a lot of the ideas from, from an article that he's referred to earlier. And in, in this study, this article, uh, Chris, uh, it refers to or it suggests uh, in terms of its findings that each of us will likely 
follow one of four paths in retirement, we'll find ourselves in one of four groups. And I'm wondering if you can kind of give us a quick overview of them. And I'd like to, of course, kind of dive into each one, uh, what they are, maybe a reaction to this. Yeah, the four, you know, this is kind of what the what the study found, but uh, it, it kind of makes sense. You know, there's, a, there's some logic to it when you think about how they separated things out. But the four groups were purposeful pathfinders, relaxed traditionalists, challenged but hopeful hmm. and regretful strugglers and the distribution was fairly even in terms of how their the study subjects broke down across those four paths the 23% kind of going down that same list 23% 26% 20% 31% um i mentioned this in the article it it was it saddened me a little bit to see that the highest percentage identified as uh people of retirees identified as regretful strugglers. Mm -hmm. And in the article, I spent uh, spent a good bit of time kind of speaking to those people because there are probably people even um, in our churches and in the Christian community who would might, might identify mm -hmm. themselves that way. A lot of it has to do with the financial aspects yeah. of retirement is, is kind of how they sorted sorted that direction. But those were the those were the four. Okay, purposeful pathfinders, relaxed traditionalist, challenged yet hopeful, and regretful strugglers. And I'll just quickly add that you uh, you like to call them struggling but hopeful. But we'll get to that in in, <laughs> in just a minute. But I want to ask you about the purposeful pathfinders. Twenty three percent find themselves in this category. You, I think you write that you tend to find yourself in there. Uh, can you talk about what that is and what it looks like? from the perspective of someone following the Lord. Yeah, so this kind of gets back to where our conversation started about the general shift in attitudes that we're seeing. Uh, and I think purposeful pathfinder is j just that, you know, that type of retiree who says, I want to find uh, constructive ways to spend my time, use my time, talents, treasure uh, for the good of others and to stay connected and engaged in different ways in the society. For the Christian, as I mentioned, oftentimes that uh, it means uh, serving in the context of our local church, other nonprofit ministries, volunteering in the community. Uh, I volunteer a couple of times a week at a local food pantry, just as an example of, you know, they're all over the place. Those are great ways to go out and get involved. I still teach a Sunday school class in my church. I do a lot of stewardship coaching and counseling. I lead discipleship groups and Bible studies. So there's a ton of ways to stay involved that both are fulfilling to me personally, but also um, you know, obviously serve others and, and serve God. And, you know, outside of the context of the church, of course, the purposeful pathfinder might be someone who volunteers for nonprofits. They may also go to a food pantry. They may belong to a civic club. Uh, they may uh, be generous with their time and their money and causes that are important to them. Mm -hmm. And so that's the group that uh, kind of identifies among the four as purposeful pathfinders. And it sounds like this group presupposes some to some financial stability and also relatively good health as well. Yeah, both are kind of a prerequisite it seems. Mm -hmm. a reasonable uh, you know, financial stability is a good is a good way to describe it. It doesn't mean that they're filthy rich, you yeah. know, quote unquote. <laughs> right. Uh, it it means that they have enough to meet their needs, so they're not struggling. You know, the characteristic of the of the other two groups challenged but hopeful, and then the regretful str strugglers, mm -hmm. that's where the finances become more of a concern. 
And, you know, it's not that the finances are the most important thing, but if you're older, you may be having some health care problems. And if finances are, are a challenge, then it can be difficult in retirement. There's no question. Well, those are the purposeful pathfinders, according to the piece that you're analyzing. And you're bringing, of course, the uh, the biblical perspective to um to, well, in fact, there's a phrase that you use, and I'm wondering if you can talk about it for just a moment. I, I, I personally really like it, and it so well applies to this. That is stewarding your retirement. Yeah, that's how I came up with the name for the blog. So the idea is that uh, we, normally when people hear the word stewardship, they think money. But the biblical concept of stewardship extends far beyond that. It really is about uh, using all of our the time God gives us, the talents, the treasures, the resources, the material things, as well as our testimony. That's another thing that I put into that equation uh, to serve God and to serve others. And so it's not just about money, although money is certainly a big part of, of biblical stewardship, but it involves all these other resources, all the other things that God has given us as his good gifts to use for our good and for his glory. Well, my guest today is uh, Mr. Chris Cagle, founder of retirementstewardship.com. In these four paths of retirement, Chris, we're taking a look at purposeful pathfinders, relaxed, traditionalist, challenged, yet hopeful, and regretful strugglers. As you said, the, the population, the retired population, kind of breaks down pretty evenly in all of these. The next is the relaxed traditionalists. And, you, and I think you write in your piece that you kind of fall a bit into that one you just described, purposeful pathfinders, but also into this relaxed traditionalist. What is a relaxed traditionalist in terms of retirement? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess it, it's it's a little bit what it says. So it takes mm. more of a traditional view uh, with a little more of an emphasis, a greater emphasis perhaps on uh, individual relaxation and enjoyment and leisure mm-hmm. uh, and kind of a slower pace than somebody that's out there kind of go, 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 go. Um, and as I as I noted in the piece, I sometimes find myself, now that I'm getting a little older, I turned 70 this year, uh, I find myself, gee, I need a little more rest. I need a little more quiet. I need a little more time. You know, I just want to sit and study or read or pray or meditate or mm-hmm. take a walk or whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, it doesn't mean, oh, gee, everybody's got to always be a purposeful pathfinder all the time. No, God created these uh, natural cycles of work and rest. So I think at times being a relaxed traditionalist is is appropriate. Um, doesn't mean it should necessarily be our primary focus all the time, but uh, certainly not something that is prohibited in Scripture uh, as as far as that worth work and rest cycles concerned. And that uh, relaxation, recreation, uh, a relaxed traditionalist, that's where they would primarily focus. So you would find perhaps, at least to some extent, retirement uh, views, at least in the broader culture, would kind of fall right here, right? Yeah, and that's that's the traditional view. You know, if you talk to people that are talking about early retirement, I talk to people like that once in a while, they're just aggressively trying to retire, leave their current job. And you ask them, well, so if that were to be possible, what are you going to do? Yeah. And somebody might say things like, well, I'm just going to enjoy myself. Well, okay. You know, some personal mm-hmm. enjoyment, mm-hmm. family enjoyment together or enjoyment with friends, nothing wrong with that. But is that really the purpose that God created you for? Probably not. Not the primary purpose. And then uh, the third of these uh, four paths of retirement, these, uh, these groups of retirees, uh, 20% find themselves challenged yet hopeful. This is the smallest group. What, what are their characteristics? Yeah, so the um, 
according to the study, the challenged but hopeful group, they kind of have the heart of a purposeful pathfinder. They have the desires to get out there and uh, kind of give their lives away and be more active and more involved, but they uh, may be more constrained with their finances. So they may have to work a part-time job. They may have to find other ways to, uh, to generate income. They may have to significantly limit their lifestyle due to financial constraints. doesn't mean that they can't pay the bills. Mm -hmm. It just means that financial concerns may be top of mind mm -hmm. a lot of times so that other things kind of have to. Uh, so it, it's almost it may be all, almost be a case where their their heart's desires, their finances can't keep up with their heart desires in terms of what they want to do. And they have to put more focus on the financial side of things. Uh, and I think, you know, this can be a difficult place to be where you, you feel called to do something and don't really have the, the finances to do it. And I think this is where faith and trust and wisdom and prayer and getting assistance where you can, you know, that's where those kind of things come in, come into play to help somebody that finds himself in this category. And I think you mentioned that uh, regardless of which of these categories you find yourself in, they all are feeling at least a little bit anxious. Uh, about their circumstances for whatever reason. Um, and yet the scripture, definitely the Lord gives us some comfort there. Yes, absolutely. I mean, God's word is is our greatest hope. God's sovereignty, God's love, God's kindness, God's mercy has promised to provide for our needs while still giving us you know, instructions in his word of how to wisely plan and and uh, steward the resources he's given us is, you know, th those things are our greatest, our greatest hope. Uh, and things, you know, people are especially uneasy right now, given, you know, that we don't have time probably to get into all the detailed, you know, kind of economic uh, factors that are at play right now. But it's it's pretty obvious to anybody that pays any attention to it at all that these are difficult times. And they're almost weird. You mm -hmm. know, they're so strange where there's this confluence of so many uh, kind of strange economic factors that are, you know, people's portfolio values, their savings have gone down, prices are sky high, interest rates have gone way up. All those things kind of happening at the same time have caused a lot of uneasiness. All the more reason for us as Christians to um, cling to the promises in God's word, make absolutely sure where our ultimate faith and trust and hope is in him and not, and that we aren't putting in the, putting it into the, in the finan financial resources alone that God's provided us with. Well, and Chris, the, the fourth category uh, here of where people find themselves in retirement, the four paths of retirement is what they're called, uh, is regretful strugglers. And you, you hasten to add in, in your piece that uh, you prefer struggling but hopeful, but 30%. This, <laughs> yeah. this is the largest group. Tell, tell us about them. They sound a, a bit like the challenged yet hopeful. Yeah, I think they're, they may be similar, but with greater financial challenges. Mm -hmm. And or they may be having some significant health-related issues, relational challenges, family dynamics may come into play. You know, there could be a lot, there can be a lot of reasons. I suspect for some of these folks, loneliness and isolation uh, can be contributing to their kind of lack of a, a sense of purpose and, and well-being. Uh, I think the other factor that the, another factor that the article or the study brought out was that a, a significant number of folks in this category said that they had a lot of regrets. You know, regret is understandable at times. We all have regrets, mm -hmm. but uh, we have to. I think we have to be really careful not to um, 
spend too much time and too much emotional and spiritual energy focusing on the past and what we did wrong and put the focus on, well, what can we do to move, move forward in faith? What can we do? What can we trust God for? What can, where can we get assistance and help and support within our church community, within our family, within the wider community uh, to get help if we find ourselves in this category? Uh, we can't change the past. We can't go back and, and start our 20s and 30s and 40s over again, maybe saving a little more or investing a little more wisely or being a little more generous or whatever the case may be. We can only start doing something today. And I think you write that there is something of uh, a disconnect, at least in some people, and I would imagine this is believer, non-believer, but in those that are pre-retirement and those that are actually in retirement. In other words, how they view their priorities in retirement. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people kind of go approach retirement with uh, maybe a little overly uh, idealistic about what they're going to be able to do and um, how, what kind of financial resources they're going to have. And then when they get into retirement, some of the hard realities of separation from a job or a career that they've been engaged in their whole life and all the friendships and relationships and activities and, and things that they were involved in, or, um, you know, they just don't really think about what it's going to take to live in retirement from a financial standpoint. And that hard reality uh, settles in. That's why it's just so important to acquire biblical wisdom, practical knowledge, get wise counsel, and uh, really kind of know what you're getting into before you make the decision to make that transition from non-retiree to retiree. And I like what you say uh, in your piece. You, t- you talk about there's a, there's a balance. We we trust God. We put our faith in Him. He is our provider. He's our comforter. He's our savior. Uh, so there's that balance between trusting God and uh, and our own responsibility. So much of life falls into that category. Oh, absolutely. You know, the Bible is on the one hand full of many promises. Some are conditional, some are non-conditional, most are non-conditional, most are, are all of God's kindness and, and grace toward us. Others uh, seem to have a more carry more of a conditional aspect. But so much wisdom has been given to us, biblical wisdom about planning for the future, about uh, anticipating, because we live in a falling world, that difficulty is going to come. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be hardship. We're going to have family members that are struggling that we might need to help. There's going to be friends that are going to be in need that might need resources. And all these things are things that we can plan for when we're younger, while at the same time praying and trusting God for the resources, for the wisdom, for the knowledge that we do, that we need uh, to plan wisely. And uh, in hopes that we will be in a better position when we get into our 60s, 70s, and 80s than we would have otherwise been. Well, Chris, my understanding is, uh, well, this is pretty obvious, I guess, because of the size of, of the baby boomers, for example, that the retirement community, the numbers of retirees is, is growing tremendously. Uh, I don't know if you can say exponentially, but what would you like the, the broader church to, to do, or how, sh- how should they consider this, this growing a community in their midst. I'm thinking of those that are not retired, and just just to be sensitive and maybe ready to uh, to help those that find themselves perhaps in one of these more challenged uh, situations. Yeah, I, I think uh, they didn't they didn't address this in the study. At least I didn't read it. But I think one of the natural tendencies that older people have, that retirees have, if they're struggling, is to withdraw. Mm. 
you know, if, if, if they're part of a local church, you're not going to see them as often. You're not going to have the opportunity to engage with them as often. And my concern would be that folks like that just kind of fall off the, the radar in a multi-generational church. And many churches are a church I attend is multi-generational. Um, being a church that has a culture that values multi, a multi-generational population. That doesn't mean that some churches wouldn't be more or less one or the other. Many are. Some have an older demographic, some have a younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but just being aware that there's there's honor and value to every single person who makes up a congregation, including the elderly, uh, the wisdom that they bring, the experience that they bring, the knowledge, the compassion that they often have. And um, if, if you're younger, or maybe middle age, and, and you, there's people like this in your congregation, um, reach out to them, befriend them, um, seek wisdom from them, and encourage them, if, especially if they're struggling. And, and there may be practical ways that, that, you, they can, that you can help them, especially if they don't have the immediate support of, of family close by. You know, some people have the blessing of being close to their family members, some people don't. And if they don't, and they're part of a church community, then obviously the church is their family. Mm-hmm. And so um, just being aware, because uh, they can kind of drift into the background and into the shadows. I think the only thing I would note is, you know, this is a two-sided coin. So on the one hand, God calls us as older Christians and as retirees. Uh, you know, Titus 2 is a is a prime example of this, where, uh, you know, the kinds of things that God calls older Christians to do and to be in the context of the local church. And, that, and so we have that responsibility as older believers, subject again to our various, you know, physical, mental, and other, other limitations. Uh, but there's also a responsibility on the part of the wider church community to care for, look out for, keep an eye on, befriend, you know, engage with. Uh, older people and for church leadership uh, to acknowledge as well that as well, you know, that uh, and to make room and to make opportunities for people to serve. I'm always so grateful if one of our pastors or I serve as a deacon, so I get involved in a lot of mm-hmm. different things, but um, I'm always grateful when a younger pastor or somebody comes to me and says, hey, would you be willing to participate in this or help with that or whatever? I can say yes or no, uh, depending on what I feel like I can I can do, but for them to you know show that consideration and the desire to involve me and, uh, and others my age in the life of the church, which which my church does, is something I'm very grateful for. And I think it's really important for churches to have that perspective. Kind of in closing here, tell us about retirementstewardship.com. Yeah, well, that's the blog. I'm coming up on my 200th article. Mm. Um, I do fairly long pieces where I try to treat a subject quite thoroughly. So it's not a day-to-day blow-by-blow account of, oh, here's what I did today. Uh, that would be as boring as could be anyway. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I do get into a lot of uh, a lot of details. I try to take a very kind of balanced view, uh, try to equip people with information and education so they can make good, wise, informed decisions. And obviously, uh, all of that through a, a, a biblical lens of Christian stewardship. Uh, in addition, there's some information on the book. So just kind of a general view of Christian retirement, the Reimagined Retirement Book. Would, might be really helpful to folks. The newer book that I wrote um, a year or two ago, uh, Redeeming Retirement, that's the one if I was if I was going to give a book to a 
uh, a regretful struggler, mm. you mm-hmm. know, that would be the book I would hand them and say, you know, depending on your age and where you are in uh, your retirement journey, there's maybe some practical help here for you. Cause that was really my heart in the book was uh, because I have over the years come across so many people that are coming into their, say their fifties or their early sixties and they want to retire only to realize that they're just not in good shape. And uh, there's hope. And that's really what I try to convey in that book. There's a lot of things you can do, um, some of which are not extremely pleasant, but a lot of things you can do to make your prospects for for a purposeful Pathfinder retirement uh, more of a reality. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Chris Cagle, founder of RetirementStewardship.com. Tomorrow, there will be no His People or Reader's Choice in order to bring you the Thanksgiving special, The Crossing, a Cabin Boy's Journal. That's tomorrow at the same time right here on Pilgrim Radio. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.